Yeah, he's got it all. And and Craig Button had a first-hand look at it last night, so let's bring him in, our TSN hockey analyst and our, our director of scouting at TSN. Craig, how's the travel day going from, from Vancouver? I'm already home in Calgary. Wow, you're fast and efficient with the traveling. I, I shouldn't have even asked. Like, you are good. We were just talking about Connor Bedard and his game last night and, and the fact that he didn't put up any points, but he... Uh, on display last night was kind of the more edgy as to his game and, and his compete level. Does that impress you when it comes to a guy that uh, just exudes so much talent, the the edge that he plays with? And is it different from the other guys he put in generational status? Well, what I would say to you, Julia, is, is, is I think his game last night, a big part of the edge in his game last night, he, he, he wasn't himself. He, he was unsettled. He wasn't yeah. able to put the doodles on the hockey stick. And That's that what it was, eh? <laughs> it was a big factor, Julia. I think it was a big factor. I think factor. so too. Now, now you got to tell everybody. You got to tell the listening audience what about the doodles. So I, I was doing social media at the World Juniors, and I'd have my pregame stop and chat with Connor Bedard, and he, he always had some sort of drawing going on the blade of his stick that he'd make up with puck marks. And in the gold medal game, he had a, a medal drawn. One game he had tic-tac-toe going. Uh, hilarious interaction with Connor Bedard. I said, is that tic-tac-toe? And he said, no, it's X's and O's. And I was like, oh, sorry, I gave it the wrong name there. But he usually doodles something on his on his blade before the game. And last night, Craig, to your point, he did not. And he was held off the score sheet as a result. So I can tell he's kind of a superstitious guy. I'm, I'm going to guess that he probably goes back to it uh, well, after Julia, last night. So we spoke to Connor Bedard a couple of weeks ago when he came yes. back from the World Juniors. And did he not go pointless in the game the day before we had spoke to him, and you asked him the same question, what's up, what were the doodles in? He said, oh, I didn't have time to do it, and he was held off the score sheet. Yeah, but team guy, though, he said it was because the Pats were winning. Well, but last night, same thing, held off the score sheet. Like, I I think that there's a correlation there. Doodle game, Craig. A-B, I said, doodles, no goodles. Ah, nice. No doodles, no goodles. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think... Did, listen, uh, you, listening to the listening to you, uh, Julia and, and AB, uh, both of you talking prior. I mean, I think that Connor has a has a has a edginess to his game. It's it's not a it's it's. I, I don't think it's born out of you know uh, this. I'm going to be a physical player. It's just born out of his competitive spirit. And you know, like I think there was some opportunities in the game last night where. You know, you know, checking's a little bit closer, and players are trying to do their best against him. I mean, almost right from the get-go of that game, not not right from the get-go, immediately from the get-go of that game, uh, Lucas Dragosevic cross-checked them, and they were chirping at each other right off the bat. Now they're both lower, lower mainland, lower mainland, lower lower BC mainland around Vancouver, uh, and they grew up there. I, I have to, I have to, like, not have to assume. They, there wasn't their first confrontation they've had over the years. They're both born in the same year, obviously. They and they play against the, they played against each other, and so I, I think the testiness began right from the beginning of the game. And I, I think it just it just kind of it just kind of bore out that way. I, I, I think with any player, I, I don't think it was a case of him retali- being re- retaliatory. He was just he was in the competitive spirit, and I think that's a good thing. You want you you want your players. To be engaged, and I think that Connor's always engaged. He, he just got engaged in that in that part of the game a, a little bit differently than maybe we've seen him. But you know, I, I saw Sidney Crosby in his draft years uh, when he was 16 and 17. 
Sydney Sydney took a lot of crap. He he gave it back. And uh, you know, Connor McDavid, if you recall, got into a fight. You know, there was some talk right. about him maybe not being part of the 2015 uh, World Junior Team yeah. that won gold with the broken hand. So I've, I've seen these what I would call spontaneous combustion uh, types of uh, uh, edginess come about. So, so it's not like I haven't seen it from Connor McDavid and certainly not, uh, I saw it with Sidney Crosby as well. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder, too, how much of it had to do with the fact that, you know, because of his size, like he's he's known to be a bit of an undersized player. And, you know, he showed at the World Juniors, clearly it doesn't matter. He went and tore up that tournament, which is traditionally a 20-year-old tournament, as you always say. But I wonder, too, like the fact that last night was a showcase amongst the best players in that draft, just the chance to show, hey, I do have this edginess, and I, I you know, I, I am a no-nonsense type of guy, knowing all of the people that were in that building. Yeah, I, I don't think that Connor needed to show any other part of his game to convince people of, of something. I mean, his, his skills and his competitive fire, his skills are high and his competitive fire is hot. And like I said, I think it just manifested itself in a different way last night. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's Connor. Connor is going to, Connor's going to get invested in the game. He's going to get invested when it's, when, where it's hard and, Certainly when you have opponents that uh, want to show well against him and, and, and you think about the blue line uh, for Team White, you know, hey, that's, a, that's a great opportunity for every single one of those defensemen to show whoever was going up against Connor Bedard, hey, I, I can defend. I can show you that I'm going to defend Connor Bedard because for those six defensemen, you know, that's a real opportunity for them to show NHL personnel that, hey, we, we can hold our own against this top player, so you know maybe you should hold us in a little bit higher regard because we're showing you our potential to do it against NHL quality competition. That's two years in a row, by the way, by my count, that Team White has come out victorious. I just <laughs> would like to make that known. That might be something to do with with uh, the color of the jersey. Uh, <laughs> you Listen, put it I, right. I got to say one thing. I got to say one thing, AB. I know exactly I, I, where you're going right now. Yeah, okay, Julie, you do know where I'm going, <laughs> and, and and that's a good thing. Uh, but come on, like seriously, no pregame speeches last night. No introduction of the starting lineup. There oh, wasn't. Um, no. It's a sham. Julia, you know it. I know it. I mean, what AB did last year was brilliant. It was brilliant. Came in with the hat, with the fedora. It was brilliant. (laughs) Like, why? Like, seriously. Like, Ron DeLorme and Stan Smeal, and I was talking with Ronnie for a long time yesterday. Like, like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm disappointed. (laughs) You set the bar high, AB. Yeah. I was a little bit of not that last night was a snoozer by any means, but I think, you know, they well, probably could have used a little bit of a, uh, a pep talk ahead of the game. I don't know. Maybe they could have zoomed me in. I would have I definitely done it for, uh, for Team White, my, my old, you know, my old team. I'm an alma mater of Team White. I would have done that. <laughs> alumni. That's right. I'm, I'm an alumna. Team White is my alma mater. I would have done it. But uh, say la vie. They still got the win, uh, and that's all that matters. Um, interestingly, though, yesterday you put out this ranking, just kind of taking a look at the last 20 first overall picks, and you, you kind of put them together from 1 to 20 as where you had them ranked 
from their, you know, as a draft prospect at the time. So you you had Crosby and McDavid as your one, two, and then Bedard coming in as three ahead of Ovechkin, Stamkos, Matthews, you know, Jack Hughes, all these talented players. Uh, how did you how did you land on uh, Bedard coming in as as you know a generational talent so high on this list? Premise the premise uh, for me was really simple. It was in their draft year, and Ovechkin, Stamkos, Matthews, none of them did have done, did in their draft year. What Connor McDavid has done. I mean, Connor McDavid has shredded the league he's in. He shredded the U20 tournament. So, I mean, we're not talking about where they ended up in their NHL. None of those guys did that. None of those guys did that. And as I started to go, as I started to go through it and inch through it and inch through it, that's why going into his draft year, he's number three. Yeah, really highly touted. It's hard not to have him in that category. With we're with our director of scouting right now, TSN Craig Button, and another former uh, first overall pick, Jack Hughes, has really been coming into his own lately. Craig, crazy goal uh, over the weekend, the no look move, and and that one pass where he was falling but ended up getting the assist. What have you thought of of his development over the past calendar year? So what I would say to you about Jack, and I'm like, listen, I've, I've watched Jack play since he was 11, 12 years old, so he's always had immense talent. The biggest thing for Jack was allowing the physical maturity to take place. He was in the NHL at 18, and, you know, anybody can argue, you know, he, he wasn't ready to, uh, to hold his own in the NHL. He, like, he, he, he could tread water. He, could hold, he wasn't going to drown, and, and that's what happened. But now what you see now is a, is, is a more mature player physically and and with that physical maturity he's able to do so many more things in terms of holding off opponents he's also learned one of the things jack you know skating was so exceptional and it was it was no less exceptional coming into his in, in, in into the nhl but he was always able to use his skating to to create an extra half a second or to create three feet of himself but he said when he came into the league, he goes, geez, those defensemen are all good skaters. I didn't get that extra half second, and I didn't get that extra three feet, and I wasn't strong enough to hold them off. Now Jack has learned, and that's what smart, you know, highly intelligent, brilliant hockey players do, and he's physically mature. You know, he, he, he's the, he, he is the perf- to me, he's the perfect example of, yes, you can be a first overall pick. Yes, you can have this enormous amount of uh, talent. But there's still other aspects of, of, of in your maturation process that have to take place. And what we're seeing is that maturation book. He's always had the brains. He's always had the great skating and the great puck skills. Now he's added that physical maturity to his game. And uh, I will say this, Jack's only going to get better. And he's pretty darn good right now. Yeah, I think this kid's going to be uh, a superstar in the league for, for years to yeah. come. But you talk about other guys who, you know, it takes them a little bit longer to, to figure things out and, and eventually it breaks through, you know, to transition back into into the Maple Leafs. I think Timothy Lilligren is an example of a first-round pick that, right. you know, went through some lulls early in his career. And, you know, at one point, I think a lot of Leafs Nation were wondering, like, oh, is he actually going to become, you know, a bona fide NHL defenseman? I think what we've seen from him over the course of this season is we got our answer. He's definitely an NHL defenseman. But, like, what do you see as Lilligren's uh, ceiling? Like, has he kind of bursted through and, I guess, maybe reset the bar for what he could become based off what you've seen of him of late? So, so here's what I would say, A.B., is uh, I, I would ask the question is, is what did people think he was going to become? I've watched Timothy play since he was 16 years of age. 
And Timothy was a, was a, was a terrific offensive player. Shoot the puck, jump into the attack. He was a, he was a real significant force offensively. And, you know, now he gets into his draft year and people recognize where he's at. He ends up being the 17th pick by the Leafs. And then he goes to the American Hockey League. And, and the American Hockey League is, is, in my view, not built for 18-year-old players. But it doesn't mean he can't learn. And, and, and I think one of the areas that, that Timothy started to, to build his game was, was, you know, playing without the puck because you don't have the puck that much. <laughs> and you're going to have to learn positioning. And you might not be strong enough, but you still got to be in the right positions and understand, you know, uh, about not creating vulnerability by chasing too far. So I think he got some fundamentals in his game. And at the same time, at the exact same time while that was going on, there was also this understanding, well, maybe I'm going to have to be a little bit of a different player than maybe I was at 16 or 17 and, and where the expectations are. I, I can tell you this. When I first saw Timothy play at 16, he was pretty dynamic. You go, know, geez, this is a pretty top-end player. Then you go through the draft year, and you're watching him again, and you're watching, you get a lot more opportunity to see him against different competition and see how he's growing and developing. And this is the player that I thought he could be like. It, like, you know, going into his draft year at the draft, I thought he could be like Trevor Daly. Trevor Daly, you go back and look at his numbers when he was with Sault Ste. Marie, he ended up being a third-round pick, I believe, to the Dallas Stars. Excellent skater, like a good competitor, uses his body well, you know, as an NHL player. I thought that's what Timothy could become. When I watch Timothy now play, I, I think he's – becoming a lot closer to Trevor Daly. Excellent so, skater, uses his body to defend well, you know, gets in the way of – like I'm watching him now in those one-on-one battles in the corners along the boards. People don't go through him. People don't go by him because of the skating and the body. And Trevor Daly was a really good, really solid NHL second-pair defenseman for, for a lot of years. And I think that's what Timothy Logren – like that's what I see now – one of the few times one of my projections has turned out uh, with respect to type of player. <laughs> but that's what I see in him, and, and I'm seeing real evidence of, of, of that in, in his play with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I think it's an important element to have uh, for a team, and just like Trevor. Trevor. Trevor was a Stanley Cup champion and a really, really solid player for a lot of years. So this postseason, 2023, Timothy Lilligren's in your top four. Based on the body of work we've seen from him and, and everything we've seen him learn this season and, and essentially since he was put with Mark Giordano as a D partner last year, are you cool with him in your top four in the postseason? Right now I am. I mean, like, I, like, and, and, like and, and I shouldn't say right now. That's not fair. I, I, I'm gonna, yes, I am. He, he hasn't given me any reason to doubt him. He hasn't. Now, you know, like yeah, the, the, the challenges of playing the same team, you know, in a, in a playoff series, you know, game after game, you know, but I think he can handle it. I, I, I really do. I think that, that, that Timothy can handle it and, and play those minutes. And, uh, again, watching how he's played this year and, and even, even last year, you know, when, when he got in there and got comfortable, I, I, I definitely feel confident that he can handle a top four role and, 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 and be strong. One of the things I, I think with the Leafs, I think a lot of times, they've become a much better defensive team. 
you know, yeah. with respect yeah. to, you know, not giving up, you know, the quality chances, the slot shots, you know, like they, they become really, and, and part of that was probably born out of necessity. Uh, and, I'm, and when I say necessity, necessity becomes, you, you want to win. You, 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 you've lost. Okay. What are some of the things, what do you learn, you know, when you've lost through the losing and, and a good defensive team like the Tampa Bay Lightning, but also it also becomes, you know, learning that through injury, you know, this is how we have to play. And then you go, wait a sec, we can have all the success playing like this, even with these injuries. Well, now when everybody comes back, we're going to stay committed to that. That's part of the progression and the development of a team as well. And I think that, uh, you know, Timothy has fit in really nicely with respect to that, to, to just being what he is. If, if people were still expecting him to be a, uh, a 40 point guy and, and they're 45 point guy and get 10 goals. I, I, I think your expectations, you might be disappointed, but if you look at them through the lens of just a really good second pair defenseman that skates well, defends well, plays hard, I think you should be really happy. Craig, uh, we, we had Jonas Siegel on the show earlier. He put out a, a piece about John Tavares, who's uh, approaching 1,000 games in the NHL. Number 999 will be tomorrow against Ottawa, and then 1,000 against Washington. I found out there was one little nugget in particular that I thought you would enjoy that I pulled out for you. John Tavares, big pickleball guy. You know what else? He's Portuguese. Oh, that's true. Did you know that? I didn't know that. You said like, <laughs> is that a is that a part? Is that a thing? A pickleball thing? Yeah. What do you mean? I don't. I don't that means nothing to me. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Michael. Come on. Listen. Listen. Hey, you want to know something? Doug McLean sent out a note the other day talking. He's taking up pickleball in Florida. He wants me to come and visit him. So, you know, pickleball is the rage, AB Julie. It's the rage. You know what? Cheryl Pounder keeps talking about taking the uh, playing pickleball and she's, she's, she's going to wipe up the court with everybody. There's been a few opportunities for her to show up at a scheduled matches where she has been a no show. Wow. So, you know, which is surprising. <laughs> I didn't because, know that you know, about Cheryl. Competitive. Oh yeah. Last year at the Memorial cup was the first time Julia, but anyway, well, well that we'll I defend her there. Nobody wanted to get kidnapped the way that you put yourself out there and offered oh, yourself yeah. up to get picked we, up from the we, TV we, we station. We were perfectly safe. We were perfectly <laughs> safe. Anyway, bottom line is is that pickleball it's it's become big. You look at all uh, all the all the people that are getting involved in it. It's a fast growing sport, and and to be honest with you, AB, I did not know that John Tavares was a pickleball okay. player. But uh, I, uh, you, you think about uh, John and, you know, 999 playing about, like, I mean, this has been one of the most consistent players in during his 1,000 games, you know, yeah. in the NHL of anybody. I mean, it, just Mr. Consistent. Mr. Here's, here's what I can deliver, and then he delivers it. I mean, it, it, it's quite impressive that – that level of consistency that he's demonstrated at, at a high level, by the way, for for thousand games after he plays and uh, when he when he does play a thousand game, very impressive. Yeah, and there's you know a couple other you know interesting nuggets as to why like the, the way the guy takes care of his body, he's continually on a, a routine that's best for him, and uh, you know it's a really good piece. Everyone should go and read it uh, in the Athletic. Uh, Craig, really appreciate you taking the time. As always, uh, you probably didn't get much sleep. I mean, if you 
are already home. You must have had a real early flight. So you brought the heat. 15 a.m. out of Vancouver, but I'll be honest. I, I had a good five and a half hours sleep, and uh, you know I'll, I'll probably have a probably about a forty-five minute nap this afternoon before before be ready for this before I play in my Thursday night pickleball league. Ooh, got to get a pregame nap in. Need that. <laughs> Need that. Craig, I'll leave yeah. you with this. I'll leave you with this. It's a great piece of advice. Keep your eye on the ball, pal. Don't use your face. <laughs> I never used, listen, I know you. everybody thinks I got hit. I tripped over my feet. That's how I got injured. I didn't get hit with a ball or a racket. I tripped over my feet. It was, it was an unbelievable desire to make a play and not give up on the ball, and I fell, and I was bleeding. Oh. And I you laid your body on the line. <laughs> That's it. Put the body on the line because you care that much. That dedicated to the game. Yeah. All right, Craig. We'll chat next yeah. week. Have a good weekend. Yeah, you too. Thanks. All right. There it goes. Craig J. Button, our director of scouting, TSN, hockey analyst, avid pickleballer. Just loves the game. Oh, loves man. The game. That is awesome.